Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. First up, we'll take a look at the stories making an impact on the front pages and business pages of this morning's newspapers. Delighted to be joined by Louisa Meehan, the owner of Woodview HRM, and Stephen O'Leary, the CEO and founder of Alitico. Uh, you're both very welcome to the programme. Um, heartbreaking headlines about that tragedy in Clonmel. Mm. Uh, oh, awful. Devastating. Um, so our hearts and prayers go out uh, to the families of those wonderful young people, sadly taken so early. Um, Louisa, um, the first story I want to discuss this morning is shades of Del Boy and Rodney in RTE's carefree spend of barter account funds. You know, regardless of this, if this is RTE or any business or any organisation, like what's happened here has been truly shocking in terms of governance. It's as if there was a, a bucket in the corner with a, a pile of cash in it that anybody uh, had access to. No one is accountable. There's no names uh, being assigned to who was responsible for what. It's a report that the taxpayer has also going to be funding the bill of. Mm-hmm. And we learn nothing, no. absolutely nothing, except just a, a shambles of governance that you wouldn't see in a Mickey Mouse organisation. I think no governance is what you're looking at, really. I mean, there, there's no policies, procedures, there's no uh, formal per, uh, purchase approval requirements, there's no procurement requirements, they don't seem to know who had access to it, it's not reported in the in the budget budgeting on a monthly basis. So really, it's an account of here's money and if you can figure out how to get into it, well, off you go and spend it's, it. It's, it's off balance sheets. So it's off balance sheets. So it's basically in the there UK. was no reporting of it. There's no reporting. The account's held in the UK, so it's not even held in Ireland, which I found interesting for RTE. Um, the, you know, the spending money on entertainment for an organisation like RTE, I think, is to be expected. I don't have a major issue with that. I understand the need for that. I understand the need for making those connections, etc., but why not report on it? If it's all valid and above board, if it's entertaining with potential clients or whoever they need to network with, you know, report on it, budget it correctly. It's quite interesting at the beginning of the article here um, in the Irish Independent, they talk about the link to Del Boy and they're saying in RTE that there were no rules, no limits, no receipts, no contracts. Very familiar to Del Boy, where there was no income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. And that was the Del Boy and Rodney Trotter's independent trading way. They probably could go and work for RTE with the governance records because there seems to be a lot of, of similarities between it. Um, and I know some people that work in RTE myself, not in the higher echelons. And the governance that's there for the staff on the ground is is fairly serious. And they get a lot of... Uh, what would you say, checking on minor expenditures. So I find it interesting that there seems to be two different cohorts of individuals in RTE. Stephen, am I right to be so critical of this? I I just find it bizarre that such, you know, such practices could actually happen in in an organisation that is funded by the taxpayer. I, I really do find it extraordinary. You are right to be critical. And I think it is key. The funding by the taxpayer is a key part of this. So you have to be held to a higher account when you're funded by the taxpayer. That's just the reality. Um, uh, RT will have known this. This is not a new story. Um, and there's some excellent reporting by Fiona Sheehan and Senna Maloney in the Irish Independence Day on this. But 
much like the report, we're not learning a, a huge amount that's no. new here. And, you know, the what the money has been spent on is open to interpretation. And there will be some who will say they are getting an excellent return on some of the, the investments that they've made here. I think one of the, the saddest things here in this story, um, and it's sad within reason, is actually how people may view barter accounts into the future. Because I kind of see that as almost collateral damage in this story. Barter accounts are a great idea. Yeah. If, you, if you run a business, and there will be business owners tuning in this morning who'll say, barter accounts are actually really good. I've got this spare inventory, in this case advertising. It'll go to waste. I'll have to throw it out. Or actually, someone will give me something to trade, to barter with. It's as old as the hills, yeah. this idea. I know, I totally agree with you. And, and it's a form of currency and often a very workable form of currency. And I think in this case, the shame is I'd actually, I'm delighted that an organisation that is funded by the taxpayer isn't being wasteful because we hear about this mm. waste all the time, right? The part I'm happy about is that they're getting something that otherwise they would be getting nothing for. The problem here, like was said at the start, is it's a governance issue. If the receipts were kept, yeah. if there was greater transparency, if we knew where the money was going, if there wasn't, like you said, this kind of fund in the corner that there wasn't accountability around, then actually I think we might view barter accounts in a very, very different yeah. light. But this story has shone a light on it. And my hope would be that businesses more generally don't say, oh, well, I'm going to stay away from a barter account because that's a bad idea. They're not. They just need to be run well. The other staggering thing for me is that there seemed to be little or no upside in this for RTE. Like, why do all this? Why bring yourself through all this? If there's no real gain for the business, which yeah. there clearly isn't. Well, it depends who was going to the sporting events and who was at Harry Styles and Ed Sheeran. We, we don't well, know who was at these events and who was benefiting from the activities. Well, the, the report clearly says that they couldn't uh, uh, establish any benefit uh, to RTE. Yeah. Now, they meant RTE, the organisation, mm. not, not individuals within RTE yes, who indeed. may have benefited. But it, that, that, that even still seems... Quite bizarre. It does. And again, i got to be clear, I'm not here to defend the organisation, but also, you know, corporate entertainment is, again, as old as the hills. Yeah. And any anyone who runs a business will know you entertain you your do. biggest suppliers. You do things like bring them to shows, you you take them out for lunches or dinners. That's just not a an unusual thing. Now, again, what it comes back to is transparency, the amount of money spent, who goes, things like that. And it's not that there needs to be total transparency. We don't need to see a list of names. Yeah. But there does, when you're funded by the taxpayer, it's important. There's a greater level of importance in having more clarity there. And I think that the line that stood out for me in this was that it's critical for auditors to have easily accessible documentation. You need to, if someone comes in externally and wants to look and examine at this, they need to be able to see the paper trail so they can understand where the money went. As Delboy once said, I don't keep receipts. They just clutter the place up. <laughs> Again, quoted from the article, so... I don't know. Uh, we live and learn. Uh, let's go to more positive stuff. Uh, 40,000 US football fans set to boost the economy by 150 million. I don't know if you've been around town. There's Americans everywhere. There's a great buzz about this event. And I think it's a wonderful, um, you know, showcase for Ireland to have, you know, 40,000 high value tourists here enjoying uh, what we hope would be special about Ireland. Yeah, I mean 
It, this can only be a good news story. They're hoping that it'll bring in around 150 million. But I think more importantly is the 40,000 people coming in, the TV coverage, the reach across the states in terms of Ireland being a destination into the future. So it's not about what happens this weekend. It's about what happens for the next two, three, five years. And one, one of the things I found quite nice, I suppose, in this article is that the hope is that Dublin will become the home of college football outside the US. Now, I don't intend on going to a college football game personally, but I love that that's going to be the case because isn't it brilliant that we're bringing international sports into Ireland and we're seen as a focus. We're a tiny little speck of a country and the US is huge and they want Dublin to be their place to go for any of their sort of international um, events at a a college football level. And college football in the States is like the Premier League. It's it's huge, huge business um, and really, really positive for the economy. Stephen? Yeah, I think it's incredible the bounce back here post-COVID. You know, this was an event that really suffered during lockdown. It was one of the, you know, it was just well, gathering. it didn't happen at all. Not at all, but, yeah. it, but it was just gathering momentum. We were just getting used to this being a kind of a fixture on the calendar. And then suddenly it went away. Yeah. And to see the numbers, the 40,000 fans that are set to be here this weekend. I cycled from Fairview across the city this morning uh, to get to the studio. And the two most prominent things you could see across the city were football fans, and Gardy. They were it was really clear. Well, that's good to hear. Especially as you pass through College Green, really, really visible that the city felt very safe. And look, it's been a tough couple of months for the city. It's been well yes. publicized. This is an opportunity really to get the headlines in a really positive way um, as people kind of come through. Interesting for the game later today, uh, of the people attending, uh, they're expecting about ten thousand Irish people. So a number of people of Irish people like this sport and are interested in it. And again, it feeds into the into the razzmatazz. Yeah, I mean, at a professional level, the NFL is a, is a global phenomenon and popular right across the globe, um, not least in Ireland. So it's no surprise that at a college level, like this is probably for a lot of Irish fans, the only opportunity they'll get to see live football at this level throughout the year. So yeah, it's great to see for the economy. Okay. Um, Cliff Taylor is an interesting piece in today's uh, Irish Times, Louisa, he doesn't often write about sport. Uh, he normally gives us uh, high-level economic pictures, but he's wrote, written a very interesting uh, business case scenario around uh, Ironman. Uh, the Ironman is now big business, but at what cost? Absolutely. And I think really he has written a bit business here, not sports to, to be honest, uh, I learned one new thing in this that the Marvel Studios are getting royalties from this. And I know Iron Man, and obviously, as soon as you hear that, it's like, oh, that makes sense. I hadn't put it together beforehand, personally. Um, what's interesting is that if you go back to 2015, the estimated uh, turnover for the Iron Man business globally it was around $900 million. million. So this is big business. Uh, the target for this organisation. It was, sorry to correct you, Louisa, but it was sold for 900 million. Oh. Uh, So, uh, as I understand it, uh, by private equity investors in 2015. It was, in 2015. Serious valuation. Serious valuation. Yeah. I mean, going back to 1989, which is more than a year or two ago, it was first sold for 3 million from its founders in Hawaii. So even back then, at the beginning, it, it was hugely 
valuable organization. The typical competitor in the US, and I'm guessing possibly similar in this country, uh, for the US triathlons are somebody in their 40s, a homeowner, university educated, with an annual in- household income in excess of 200000 So they really are targeting people here who have money to spend on the entry fees. The event down in Yole, the entry fees down there were significant, you know, going up towards €600. Euros. And what they're looking for is that you're paying to enter, so it's profitable business from that perspective, but also merchandise and all of the other um, yeah. supplementary stuff that's going along with it. So really it is focusing in on this being a business. He does also focus, does he not, Stephen, on you know the other parties involved in making this happen, that it can't happen without uh, the support of the councils who arrange road closures and that. Yeah, and um, indeed, uh, Triathlon Ireland or Athletics Ireland was it um, about you know uh, sanctioning the event to go ahead? And again, it's awful to talk about that terrible tragedy, but you know I think maybe that he's saying his his main point here is that you know there is a cost, and unfortunately in the case of what happened in Yall, that was two lives. Yeah, and look at. It's important to be clear here, the reason Taylor is writing about this is because of the tragedy. Yeah. Right? This this would not be the kind of headline news that it is, not just in Ireland, but across the world over the last week, had it not been um, for the tragedy that occurred. Um, and really what Taylor builds towards in the piece, it's, it's really well written um, and it's a thought provoking piece. But the, the question he poses is, does money change the decisions you make when it comes to mm. safety? Um, and it's a question that's being asked a lot at the moment. I mean, if we... If we look at this through an economic lens and we talked about the impact of, of football in Dublin this weekend, the impact of that event to the local economy in Yall is extremely significant. Well, he reckoned eight million. I mean, for, yeah. a, for, a, for a small-ish seaside yeah. town, um, you know, again, that would probably have suffered during COVID from a tourism point of view. It's an economic boom to the area. So, you know, it's really important that these events take place. But equally, it's going to be really important that there is a swift and thorough investigation into what happened, that there is, again, we've talked about this word a lot, transparency into what occurred. And the hope would be that a lot of lessons can be learned and that we see events like this sanctioned into the future. Um, Let's have a look at Germany now, Louisa. Glenn Dimbleck acquiring a German business, cooling business, uh, and a deal likely to be worth 40 million. Yeah, and this... uh Glenn, Glenn Dimblex, excuse yeah. me. Um, they seem over the last 18 months to have focused on uh, supporting the energy transition across four different areas of heating, ventilation, precision cooling, flame and consumer appliances. So they certainly seem to be expanding in this area around energy. It's a significant purchase for them and it's a significant area of growth. Um, so I think we're going to see more more from them going into the future from a German economy perspective. Yeah, and they've, they've spent, uh, or it's reported here by Eleanor Regan that they've spent, uh, understood to have spent close to 200 million uh, on recent acquisitions. So serious investment and interesting to see a business like that to transition away from being, you know, an appliance manufacturer to now embracing uh, all these uh, other sectors uh, around green energy, etc., um, speaking of Germany, Stephen, the confidence shaken in Germany as the economy fails to grow. Another piece in today's Irish Times. 
Yeah, and again, this is very much a question of perspective, I think, based on what you're reading here. Confidence is shaken, but it doesn't appear that confidence is shaken internally within Germany, if we read into this piece by, by Derek Scali. Um, certainly externally, uh, people are looking at the German economy um, and, you know, The Economist had uh, a headline and a cover. And I think this is what has stimulated a lot of this um, conversation, calling Germany the sick man of Europe. Right. Um, and this has obviously uh, annoyed uh, certain people um, within yeah. Germany. Um, and that's well reported here. <clears throat> but it, it's it's such a difficult balancing act to get and for economists and central bankers to get right, because inflation's at 6.2 percent. So it's above the average in Europe at 5.3 percent. So they have to try and get inflation under control. And yet you're also trying to grow your economy at the same time. And trying to balance those two things is incredibly difficult, as we've seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, in Ireland uh, yeah. and other places over the last 12 months. So this is a question of, I suppose, you know, investor confidence in lots of ways. Yeah. Germany is seen as being the cornerstone of the European economy in lots of ways. And so if Germany goes through a tough time, the fear is that there is a level of contagion and other European countries, including Ireland. So yeah. And it's interesting as well that, that this piece cites the Chinese economy as a factor in stall growth in Germany. You know, and again, like, I think we're all affected by what happens in China ultimately. Yeah. And I mean, again, it, it probably also points to the fact that, like, you know, this idea of us as a global economy has never been sort of more pertinent. You know, we see this with chip manufacturing and lots of other industries at the moment. Yeah. What happens in Germany affects us all. Um, crematorium operator records post-tax profits of almost 650,000. Uh, we're seeing this piece in the Irish Times today and in, indeed in the Irish Independent. Um, interesting business model, Louisa. It, it certainly is. Um, it seems to be that there's a strong correlation with an increased number of deaths, resulting in an increased profit. Um, the crematorium in question was Mount Jerome Crematorium in Harold's Cross. That was the first private cemetery and crematorium in Ireland. Um, and they're seeing significant profits through 2021 and most likely into 2022. They also look at a County Clare-based Shannon crematorium and that showed in the 12 months up to the end of June a 40% increase in profits. Now, I'm hoping it was a 40% increase in profits and it wasn't so closely tied to the increase yeah. in deaths. Um, I, I think there's probably some of the upside here is around, again, I suppose maybe the Catholic Church not being central to, yep. uh, or central as it was, uh, to this area. I know that uh, Mount Jerome, uh, Harold's Cross, like they are busy spots every day, day in, day out. There are, you know, back-to-back -back funerals there. I don't know if you've been to one, but even parking, getting in, getting out, like they're, 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 they're trading. I, ha I haven't I been know, myself. I don't mean to be morbid, but... They, they, they're, they're trading exceptionally well. Well, look, it's an economy like, like I suppose, like any other. Um, and it's also not just crematoriums. So, they, they, you know, they mentioned in the piece that planning permission has been granted for a new 20 million euro, 8,000 plot burial cemetery on the site of a golf course in yeah. the city west. So, you know, right across the board, there, there is a question of demographics here. So the CSO um, obviously reported a 7% increase year on year in death numbers in Ireland. And look, if you're in that industry, that's going to have an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I don't know what you made of the whole Trump scenario uh, during the week, um, but really uh, there's a good piece by Andrew Neil uh, in today's Mail. He says, referring to the Republican uh, TV debate, 
Who cares if a glib narcissist won the Republican TV debate when all the world's talking, all the world is talking only about Trump's mugshot? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I was reading this article, it made me think about the quote, you know, I will not go gently into the night. And I think it's fair to, to say Trump is not going gently anywhere. Um, his mugshot seems to have been a huge marketing success for him. He is going to be making, they figure, around 20 million for his campaign, of course, from his mugshot and merchandise in relation to it, which is a phenomenal amount of money for anybody to make from a mugshot. So it is a very valuable piece of American history at this point. What I found quite interesting in reading this, and forgive me for pronouncing this name completely wrong, um, but Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy. That's the person who won the TV debate. I haven't come across him, I suppose, historically. But when you read through the article in detail, it's talking a lot to some of his attitudes towards stuff, particularly around foreign policy. And sometimes, you know that saying, the better the devil you know? And I, it did make me halt her and say... I don't think him. I, I can't see him with better. those policies. It's hard to see him uh, even They're serious. coming out of that. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I mean, basically, you know, stop well, giving Ukraine money and get them to hand over their territory, being just one of them. Yeah. Um, Stephen, I have to say, uh, you know, I... There's lots of things I like about America, but the politics of America actually scares me. Um, and when you think about it and you stand back from this and you think that somebody with, you know, Trump's pedigree, the, his history of all sorts of vile things, that he can actually command such popularity, really I struggle with. Yeah, and it would be funny if it wasn't so serious yeah. and if it didn't have such impact. And again, you know, we're talking about American politics, but no more than the football this weekend. What happens in America and America's prosperity has a really significant impact on Ireland and the Irish economy. Um, you know, the the TV debate that occurred during the, the week, there were a lot of essentially almost unknowns <laughs> in that. And if you want to cut through it, then you're going to have to be controversial. And that's what we saw with um, Ramaswamy. No one knew his name, really, before this debate occurred. Um, but he was the one who said the things in a Trump-esque kind of way and yeah. shocked and awed. I think there's a line in uh, the Irish Independent editorial on this that um, I thought really stood out. And it was that Bob Dylan wrote, steal a little and they throw you in jail, steal a lot and they make you king. Mm. And really, that does kind of sum up what's happened with Trump here in, in lots of ways for every single additional thing that goes wrong. His popularity grows with every charge in every state. He's gaining points in the polls. So the more fault we find with him, the greater his popularity. Well, I, I really struggle with that analogy, but I'm sure lots of people do. But let's stay in America, Louisa, to close out. Uh, image of the week from A to V, A to B via a big O. Tell us more. So, I mean, this is, uh, I'm not quite sure what to say, except that if I'm hiring this car, I want to be the first person to ever hire it. <laughs> so this is the self-driving robo-taxis in the States, in San Francisco. And they seem to have acquired a new line of customers who like to have a room for an hour to get up to personal activities that in the back, let's, let's assume. Yeah, I mean, it's it's concerning, um, particularly concerning when back in May, one of these lovely taxis killed a small dog. So I wonder what the occupants were up to at that time. If they had to jump out in a hurry, it may have been disturbing to uh, the owners of said dog. Well, with that image in our heads, we'll leave it there. Louisa Meehan and Stephen O'Leary, thank you for a great business review of the week. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. 
Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.